Hello and welcome to Drafting the Dregs. This is your podcast for all things draft FPL. Um, my name's Isaac. I'm your resident Crystal Palace fan who's involved in this particular league. Uh, we won't talk too much about that result this week, but I do have Dave uh, with me who might want to talk about his result given he's a, a Watford fan. What are, you, what are your quick su- summary of that particular game, Dave? Two quick thumbs summary. up? Yeah, I'll two th- thumbs up. You told me the whole hour and a half was dedicated to that game. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I, yeah, righto. You know, could, two thumbs up for, for you, that, Dave. What do you reckon? Yeah, if I had three thumbs, that'd be up. Oh, very nice. That's yep. good. That's good. Look, I'm sure some of the pod will be dedicated to Watford, but and I'm sure no doubt you'll talk about your mate, Saar, but, you know, we'll, we'll see how we I get mean, on. I mean, he is my mate. We'll talk about it later, but, yeah, bittersweet because Gilby's on top and he's Gilby's man. I know, I know, and I'm sure Gilby's psyched about that. And he's probably psyched about uh, his team's performance this week as well, man. You, Gilby, what were you were you uh, happy with that result? Do you think it was? Do you think West Ham deserved a, a point? A close one. Um, I did. I definitely think we got away with it in the end there. Um, I think we'll talk more about some of the big moments a bit later. But definitely happy to come away from West Ham with three points there. Oh, very nice. And of course, we have Mick with us this week as well. Now, Mick, I think that you follow some, some Sunday League team or something like that. Um, d- quickly, how did they go? Well, we didn't lose in the Premier League, so we won up on you, Isaac. Hey, congratulations. Oh, boom. Well done. <laughs> I love it. No, well done. Well done. But, uh, you know, it is what it is, isn't it? So, let's jump into uh, quickly talking about... Uh, the fact you'll find us on Twitter, drafting underscore dregs, um, and you know, always looking to have a bit of banter with some people. There's a really good FPL Australian FPL uh, community there as well, who uh, we we like to retweet and uh, have have uh, a bit of banter with also. So please feel free to check out those guys. But what we'll do, we'll get into our moments of the round. We've all picked a moment from this particular game week five, which we'd like to have a bit of a chat about. Um, Now, Gilby, we discussed the Man United um, result earlier and the fact that, uh, you know, they did come away with the points. But the way that happened toward the end of the game is the interesting part. And I believe that's your moment of the week. Yeah, it is. Uh, Two reasons. Uh, One, poor old Mark Noble being subbed on in the 94th minute to take the pen, the club captain from West Ham. Old being the uh, correct word there. (laughs) <laughs> yep, yep. Um, and then De Gea actually pulling out his first penalty save since October 2014 Ooh. to seal us the three points. So a big moment either way. Um, and yeah, just um, one of those crazy things that happens every now and then. There you go. I think I think Noble should have just gone down the middle because De Gea was going to go one way or the other. And he's got a pretty bad track record of going the a good track record of going the wrong way. Should have just gone down the middle. Yeah, I mean, the problem with taking pens is, as we all know, it's a bit of a lottery and it's just one of those things that De Gea actually did pick the right way and got his left hand to it. I saw someone had it, like uh, edited a um, Ronaldo video, supposedly where Ronaldo pointed the right way, but then it didn't take long before people worked it that someone had photoshopped his hand pointing the way that De Gea <laughs> dived to give the credit to Ronaldo. So um, I'm not sure who ended up with that, but... Yeah, um, big, big moment. Um, really, really handy three points given how well um, 
couple of the other teams are going at the moment, particularly Chelsea and City. Well, City had a bit of a stumble, but Chelsea's looking very, very good. So really handy three points. Yeah, I think my main point to add on uh, that penalty decision and um, bringing Noble on literally for one kick of the game in the 90 stupidest minute, whatever it was, um, it just... As far as I'm concerned, if I'm one of the other West Ham players on the pitch, that's got to be really quite demoralising to think that um, your manager just doesn't have any confidence in you whatsoever to take penalty. Uh, obviously, Mark Noble's done it for many, many years, and he's a brilliant penalty taker usually. But surely there's someone on the pitch that could have done that job that's already in the game, um, warmed up, head in the game, I mean, Noble was sitting on the bench literally with his tracksuit on when he got the call. So, yeah, I I can't justify that regardless of how good a penalty taker he may or may not be. Well, it's one of those things. It's a really fine line between genius and idiot. So if it had come off, everyone would be saying awesome. And since it hasn't come off, then you've got the egg on your face. Yeah. So Moy- one of those Moyes at Everton? Genius. Moyes literally everywhere else? Idiot. I've got to say, he's done a pretty good job with West Ham, to be fair. I think he's redeemed yeah, he himself he somewhat. Has. He has. <laughs> but, you know, it's a cheap shot, so I'll take it. No, no, fair call. Fair call. And, and you know, whilst you're going, Dave, hit us with your moment of the week. Where are you going with it? Uh, do you uh, Can you top Gilby's? Uh, no. Oh, good. And when we're, while we're talking cheap shots, you know, David Moyers, if you're listening... Feel free to have a swing because uh, <laughs> my moment of the week is not a moment as such. Um, I just want to basically make comment on uh, two things that happened. Um, so Tottenham at the moment are horrific. Uh, I think I saw a heat map and Kane was playing almost as a defensive midfielder for much of the game and Man City failed to score um, in their game. So... Not so much a moment of the week as such, but more just the fact that it's reinforcing the idea that if Man City really want to compete, uh, especially on multiple fronts this year, they need a striker as soon as possible. And that just happens to be the next transfer window, which will probably roll around a lot quicker than many of us are expecting. Mm, Absolutely. And the thing I'll add to that, I think I heard a stat basically just saying that Alonso had more touches in the box than Kane did in that game. Yeah, I don't know the exact number. Gilby, you're our stats man, so you may have it. But in the last two games, uh, I think Kane has only had one or two effective touches in the box or something like that. It's yeah. ridiculous. And and when when a defender is is having more opportunities to you know get inside the box and and make something happen. Compared to your striker, you know that uh, something's a bit awry there. So, you know, hopefully they can rectify that soon. Yeah, the only thing, I haven't got those stats, unfortunately, at the moment. I'll do my best to look that up pretty quick. But uh, what I did notice is that (laughs) (laughs) I did notice that Guardiola came out in his interview and said the reason we didn't score is not because we don't have a striker. Uh, He basically put it on his defenders and Fernandinho and blamed them for not being able to bring the ball out and pass the way he wanted them to. So interesting times there to put it on your defenders for the fact you didn't score. But 
that, I mean, Guardiola always plays the game a bit differently. But, um, yeah, that could be interesting, particularly for any holders of City defenders. I know um, <laughs> Cancelo <laughs> really? likes to get... Yeah, uh, Cancelo always likes to get forward there. And Walker was probably very lucky to not give away that penalty. Mm. Um, so, interesting times there. I'm sure we'll talk about that match a bit later. Yeah, I was... I was uh, a- freaking out a bit when I saw that happen because I've got Walker. Um but luckily luckily uh he, he stayed on and got me the, the clean sheet bonus. But I think it's more so that it's because he didn't play Torres, who's also my man. He he would have been uh the perfect I'm sure he would have scored, no doubt. Hundred percent he would have yeah, scored. Yeah, prob- probably four <laughs> at least. Yeah, easy, easy. <laughs> oh very good. Look, Mick, let's roll over to you. Um moment of the week. Can you I think is Gilby still on top with his moment of the week? Are we happy with that? That it's still Gilby's moment of the week. He's up. So Mick, can you can you that's beat Mick? Moment. So yeah, Gilby yeah. can have that. Uh, mine. <laughs> I mean, it's a moment of the week. Continuation of Dave's. Um, but it's kind of the moment, or I guess it's in a season event so far. But continuing with the Tottenham Chelsea game, the three goal scorers for Chelsea. You got Thiago Silva, Kante, and Rudiger. Now, if anyone had a magic, magnificent multi on those three in a three 0 win, it would have been pretty mega. Um, but if you look Absolutely. at Chelsea's goals for the year, I think they've scored 12 goals this year. Lukaku's obviously got three, but there's been six defenders or defensive midfielders in Kante that have scored the goals. So Kante, Alonso, Rudiger, Thiago Silva, Chalabar, and Reese James have all scored goals. So I guess Chelsea defenders wow, getting points. And for someone who took Kai Havertz in the first pick, that is a great moment of the week for me. <laughs> Absolutely, and I think I took Rudiger with my second last pick. So you know, <laughs> rocks and diamonds. <laughs> that's that's a good one. I like that. That's a really really interesting stat. I've actually found some stats on Kane so far this season. So not just last round. So far this season, he has four goal attempts, two of those in the box, one big chance out of all his games so far this season. So that at the moment. Pathetic. Out of forwards, um, I can't, he doesn't even fit on the first screen. It doesn't number easily on the screen I'm looking at. But put it this way, directly above him in the rankings for goal threat is Ihan Nacho, and he is directly above Rondon from Everton, who just played his first match. So that's telling you how well he's gone so far. Ooh, esteemed company right there, considering what those two have done this season. Wow, that's amazing. And... Actually, that's that's interesting as well because when um, I've got a few stats just on our league a, a little bit later on, which uh, Kane will feature in a little bit, and I know Ben has Kane. That was his first pick in the draft. So the stats that I've sort of had a look at for our league flow into that really nicely. So we'll get there a little bit later in the podcast. Um, so my moment of the week was in the Leicester game. First of all, there was an absolutely beautiful goal scored by Leicester. All one-touch passes, um, going down the wing and then coming back uh, for a, a ball laid on to, to Vardy at the back post to slot in. It was just sensational. Like That's the sort of thing you want to see. It's beautiful football. It was a, a spectacular goal. That was a great moment. But then the other thing that happened in that game, which was very, very interesting, uh, was Barnes was able to stop two goals from happening. And, you know, he's a forward. You'd think, oh, he's back there. He's defending. He's he's doing a good job. Only problem is it was for his own team. So he was offside two times when the ball went in the back of the net. Both times um, 
As an inactive player as well. As an inactive player, yes. Uh, but obviously doing enough to to prevent the goalkeeper from having a clear sight to uh yeah, to, to stop them from being able to have a chance at saving the ball. So he's he did it twice. Like you can once in a game, okay, sure, you're gonna learn from that mistake, you're gonna get yourself in a better position. But for it to happen twice from the same player to prevent basically his his uh, team from winning the game uh, is just I've never I've never seen that. So Barnes, you know, if you if you're gonna defend, um, maybe and, and prevent goals, maybe do it. You know, helping your team prevent another team from scoring, not your own. That would be my suggestion. So luckily, there's no negative fantasy points for that because he definitely would have got some. Yeah, and we've mentioned in the past that. One of the guys in our fantasy group, Jeff, um, he is a referee, Sunday League referee. So I think we need to start making a note of some of these contentious decisions and get his opinion on them. But uh, for me personally, having seen them, Mm. I think one of those goals should have stood. I don't think he was necessarily blocking the goalkeeper's um, line of sight. You could argue he was definitely... I guess in the goalkeeper's zone in his immediate proximity. Yep. Um, but wasn't impacting the play. Now I say that yeah. um, with a bit of you know, bit of inflection on that because I, I know Jeff and I kind of agree on one thing: if you're not impacting the play, get off the damn field, and the goalkeeper will be able to see out of his periphery, um, and no doubt he would have known Barnes was there, but. To the letter of the law, I think one of those goals should have stood, even though I don't agree with the law. No, fair enough. Look, I, I don't think there was one of those that goalkeeper was not saving at all. He had enough side of it. He wasn't going to save it, even if Barnes wasn't there. But I thought you were going to say that, you know, you've come to that conclusion based on your own experience being in that position, Dave. But um, I'm not sure you ever got that far up the pitch. No, I never got that far up the pitch. And the only <laughs> time that... Um, I was probably involved in goals and offsides was probably when I was too slow getting back and playing people onside who then <laughs> put it in the back of the net. Very nice, very nice. Look, that's some fantastic moments of the round there. I think we've done pretty well. Um, Gilby, I'm going to pass over to you. We've had a lot of waiver ap- action in our league over the last game week. Um, so some interesting moves ba- made by some some managers. I think we've all decided that the other managers in our league um, are probably listening in and, and making some of the suggestions that we're, we're putting forward, which is a good thing. That's great. Um, I was very critical of Dan last week and I caught up with Dan today. Um, and I said to him, mate, you made good moves. You, you, I was worried about your midfield and you've rectified that somewhat. He's, he's done a good, good job. So uh, Gilby, hit us with some of the, the waiver action from the previous week and how they went down. All right, so really quick summary. Dan started us off by dropping Madison for Trossard, which turned out to be a good move at least this week because Madison did not play well at all. Um, and he and Trossard gave him attacking points, so that was good. Uh, ben dropped Embuemo for Gallagher. Oh. And Embuemo scored his first goal of the season in an eight-point game, so that one stung a bit. So and I he's think been getting um, good as well. Yeah. Yep. And getting Gallagher yep. was good. Absolutely, that's fantastic. I just didn't realise we'll it was Embuemo. Something that happened a little bit later on as well. Um, subsequently to that, both Jeff and Nate tried to bring in Gallagher for Dallas and Ward Press respectively. 
So that didn't work out because uh, Ben had already gazumped them. So the next trade to work out was Dave dropping Werner for Edward that he kind of talked about in the last podcast, which ended up costing him points because Werner got his first attack and return of the season. But in the long term, Edward will be the main man for Palace. So he's probably pulled the trigger at a probably a bad time. But long term, I think he'll be pretty happy with that one, I think. Nick dropped Pinnock for Keane. And Pinnock contributed an eight-point game for Brentford. So that one was another big ouch. Um, Isaac then tried to get Eduard for Ihan Nacho, but David gazumped him on that one. This so is just had... like all the wounds are being reopened and <laughs> Gilby's there, Salt Bay, just rubbing it in. <laughs> well, I do love my salt. Maybe I'll get some chicken salt out. So we'll see how we go with that. Um, but Isaac had to settle for Huang. Um, so whether or not that'll work out or whether he'll start, I don't know. Maybe get Isaac to talk about that one a bit later. Oh, oh yes, um, absolutely. <laughs> um, I dropped Dyer for Ailing, um, which I was uh, kind of looked at based on Leeds fixtures, but Leeds have been very open at the back again and did concede, unfortunately. Mm. They've got a lot and of injuries Ailing too. Did, yep, Ailing picked up. Up a, yep, Ailing picked up an injury, so that'll maybe influence some of the transfers I'm looking at in the next few weeks. Uh, Dan again then tried for Gallagher and Edward by trying to drop Bergwin and more pie. Um, and more pie ended up actually being one of his best scorers. So that could have been even worse for him, but then he successfully dropped Saul for Saka. So that was probably a good move. Definitely. Uh, from what I can see, then once all those have been through, we had free agent moves of Dan dropping Tanganga for Cooper and dropping Bergwine for Trincao. I know I'd talked about looking at Trincao and I came very, very close to dropping him for my man Tielmans. And I'm really happy I held Tielmans, <laughs> which I'll talk about a bit later. Um, I know Isaac was keen for me to drop Tielmans, but kept the faith there. Um, Maybe I've got ben, ulterior motives. Maybe I'm trying to pick him up. Possibly, yes. <laughs> uh, ben dropped Jansen for Coleman. And now Coleman is injured for a month. So mm. again, an ouch Unlucky. for Ben. Yep. Uh, and Jeff dropped Castagne, who doesn't play for Wolves, who bought in Chalaba, who doesn't play for Chelsea. So that was an interesting one. Uh, maybe hoping for some of the Chelsea points if he does end up playing. But yeah, an interesting one. And then the last one, which actually just happened within the last few hours, um, Nate actually got Gallagher now, uh, but he had to give up Ward Prowse. So, um, that was a trade with Ben. Uh, yeah, so Ben gave up Ward Prowse and Nate got Gallagher. So uh, an interesting one, whether or not you think Gallagher can uh, maintain some of the form he's shown. With Ward Prowse, he's always on the dead ball for Southampton and I know Southampton have a really good run of fixtures coming up. So it'll be really interesting to see who get the best of that one. Mm. For me, I would be saying I would rank Ward Prowse ahead of Gallagher, but not by much. So, because I'm always more for consistency rather than burst potential. So you probably argue Gallagher's more likely to score, but Ward Prowse, uh, I've always rated and I've had him a few seasons. So I, yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. I think it's a I think it's a fairly fair trade. I think it's very balanced. Um, Gallagher had an opportunity very early on in the Liverpool game again, and he's getting in good positions again. So he, if he can continue to get into those positions, he 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 should continue to pick up points. But um, yeah, I think it's I think it's a very very quite a fair trade. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. So um, yeah, really good summary there of the waves that happened in our league over the over the last week, and I'm sure there'll be some more waiver a- action. Um, 
leading into this game week as well. So And yeah, good. just to round that off, so obviously I picked up uh, Eduard for um, Werner and we mentioned last week live on the recording, Mick had um, made me an offer, but it was going to, uh, or Mick was hoping to pick up TAA and that was never going to happen, but there was a possibility of me throwing Robbo in the mix. Um, but we also discussed that, you know, a lot of um, the outcome of that trade was going to rely on whether or not I was actually able to just offload Werner and upgrade without having to lose Robbo. And, okay, Werner ended up getting an assist. Um, Gilby reckons I've pulled the trigger a bit early on Eduard, but if I didn't do it now, he wasn't going to be available by this week. Um, so yeah. I've got no qualms in having done that and it didn't cost me Robbo, so stuff you, Mick. Can I just go back and change my moment of the week? Can I go back and make my moment of the week Robertson and TAA's combined zero points for Dave? Because that oh, was we'll definitely that my moment of the week. We'll, we'll definitely talk we'll about that because uh, it's quite interesting. And there was lots of rotation this week as everyone in the fantasy community has uh, been absolutely um, racking their minds over. So lots of rotation always causes havoc. So we'll definitely talk about that. That's a good one. Uh, okay, let's get into the games that we predicted would have a really good fantasy return from game week five. Um, again, I'll start off with you, Gilby. Gilby, you went with the Chelsea Spurs game. You predicted Chelsea uh, getting up in that game and potentially getting good points for um, some of those assets. And and Mick already gave that really good stat about how the Chelsea sort of backline's going with picking up assets um Lukaku didn't get on the, the score sheet which was unfortunate for Dan what did you take away from that particular game well I think Mick was looking it up earlier um I would hate to think the odds you would have got to get the three Chelsea goal scorers um I think I did pick that um that Lukaku would have been one of the goal scorers given mm. how terrible uh, Spurs had been but yeah I mean Chelsea definitely uh, looked the better team, but yeah, to predict that Thiago Silva, Kante, and Rudiger were going to be your scorers, um, <laughs> you could have more or less just written your own betting slip with that one. But yeah, the three assists were Alonso, Kovacic, and Werner as well. Wow. So yeah, just one of those things that you're going to have some fun there. What, what, what? Oh, here we go. In the house. Here we go. Hello. Can, can, we, we have a special guest just jumped on, which is interesting. Hello, Nathan. I mean, Nathan. we've got a guest, not so special. Oh, okay. <laughs> so for, for any listeners that we have, which are very few, um, we have, yes, we have Nathan, who is one of the managers in this particular league with us. Nathan, this is the first time you're jumping on the pod. How are you? Are you um, you doing well? Congratulations, well done. That's fantastic. <laughs> there we go. Hey, that's nice. That's good. I I haven't told the other guys, but I've I've continually sent the link to Nathan over the last couple of weeks saying, Hey mate, get on. Just jump on anytime. Just do it. And uh he's decided to do it this week, so that's good. We were just talking <laughs> about how great Spurs were doing. Yeah, actually. That's honestly what we were talking about. So Gilby's just, uh, he predicted that Chelsea would flog Spurs and uh, he's just rounding out what's what happened in that game. That's that's fair. 
I oh, well, hold on, West Brom can't. <laughs> There's no commas necessary, Nathan. <laughs> Well, I know the only other thing I did take away from that Chelsea game um, was that I'm sure Isaac would have been fist pumping in the 94th minute where his main man, Rudiger, popped up to score, uh, which then netted Rudiger, was it a 14 or 15 point round, which was um, really, really key for Isaac in, we don't want to give away the current league standings, but really useful points for Isaac there in the end. Yeah, absolutely. I was pretty stoked with that, to be fair. Um, It was a good goal, too to be honest. Um, so, yeah, pretty happy with that. I think um, hopefully moving forward, a few more goals from, from Rudiger would be really nice. That'd be lovely. Um, okay, let's move on to Dave. Dave, you had an outrageous prediction that Watford would beat Norwich. Just outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. How, how did you go with that one, Dave? Are you pretty stoked with the result? Yeah, Watford, Watford beat Norwich, so not much <laughs> more to say, really. I mean, we all expected it, right? Uh, yeah, bottom did. of the table, relegation six pointer. Um, but in terms of fantasy points, uh, obviously Gilby's holding on to Ishmael Assar and he got two goals. Uh, so that hasn't hurt his cause any by any means. Um, we've also been bitten back and forth having a chat about uh, Emmanuel Dennis. Now, he does appear to be playing. Um, on the left-hand side of the front three, as I predicted, um, with Josh King in the middle. But Dennis did pop up with another goal. Uh, there's a pretty nice photo floating around the internet uh, that you might be able to find where his goal celebration was, um, I guess, trying to emulate, no doubt, his idol, Sam Kerr, with a few flips. <laughs> and um, there's a nice image of a... Norwich supporter in the background, flipping him the bird while he's upside down. So that's interesting. <laughs> um, but obviously two players that people are going to be looking at and interested in, uh, in terms of fantasy points. Josh King popped up with an assist. Uh, one that I guess isn't on many people's radar, but as a Watford fan, um, Kiko Femenya also popped up with an assist. And for many years, he's been quite an attacking back for us so there's that and it could be the start of another Pookie party so Timo Pookie uh, got their one goal that's all I have to say about that <laughs> yeah well I was just um, going to say today uh, Josh King actually got two assists um, so maybe that might be something to look at coming forward as well um, but for Watford uh, Watford hadn't created a single big chance according to Opta with their statistics from rounds two to four but against Norwich, they created six. So that I don't know whether that says more about Watford having a good game or how terrible Norwich were at the back. Um, probably a little bit of both. But yeah, I mean, as Dave says, like probably some good news there for Watford attacking assets. And I don't think anyone in our league has a Norwich defender. I think somebody, I think Mick maybe <laughs> tried to you? bring in Max Ahrens <laughs> last week. So maybe a good move there not to bring in a Norwich defender yet. Yeah, Norwich, uh, you know, we're five games in. They're still on zero points, so uh, unless he can, unless their manager can turn things around, I think it could be very soon that Daniel might be farked. <laughs> I think you're, I think you're spot on there. No, very good. Yeah, can, can we mute Dave? 
<laughs> Look, we'll jump into to Mick's prediction. Um, he pre- Mick, you predicted um, that Everton would spank Villa. Isn't it going well for my predictions this year? You're doing so well. This is amazing. Yeah. Talk us through. But you know what? I'm I'm going to do what you hate me doing, but I'm going to link West Brom to this. Oh, so, how do I know? So we go back a couple of weeks. There was a trade for Ronaldo that was offered from Gilby. Entire forward line for entire forward line. And I said, just wait. Someone will get injured. Someone will get rotated. Rondon's there now. He'll do a job. Rondon played until the 63rd minute. 12 minutes later, Everton down 3-0. From nil all. So you lose a West Brom guy, you lose the game. Um, no, all <laughs> in seriousness, Matty Cash, one of the most Polish names in history. Um, he's scored a goal from right back, who I don't think anyone is. For context, Matty Cash is just his mother's Polish. He's gone for his uh, passport and he may legitimately become a Polish national player. Matty Cash, fantastic, I know. Um, Luca Digne scored a header for the corner in the opposite end. And uh, Leon Bailey, uh, counter-attacking goal. So he's a potential pickup, which I reckon we might talk about later. Um, But it just looks like another one of those games where none of our attacking assets got any points. I think Danny Ings might have got an assist. Um, and that is basically it. No one else of any note. Um, but yeah, that's just not exactly what I expected in that game. Um, but when you look at my stats, no one really created much in that game at all. Um, both teams expected goals under one. It was pretty much expected to be a draw. Just one of those games where I guess Villa took their chances, um, where Everton didn't. I guess that may be just DCL being out cost them. So now I'll go back and I'll flip over and Rondon playing instead of DCL, cost them the game. So... That's my wrap-up. Um, basically, what you should do from now is when I say something, bet on the opposite, and you might win. I like it. Well, I noticed with um, with mixed mate Rondon, I was having a look at how he actually went because I knew he probably would bring him up. Uh, Rondon had two touches in the penalty box like all game for when he was actually on. Uh, both of those touches were shots which missed. Um, so probably not in his best form yet. Um, Leon Bailey is going to be a really interesting one. He came on as a second half sub, assisted the own goal, scored, got booked, and then went off injured. That was all in 21 minutes. And so, one man of the match. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so in 21 good. minutes on the pitch. So that's going to be a really interesting one as to whether or not anyone is prepared to make that move. That probably presents as a high risk, high return sort of thing. Um. I predicted that Leeds Newcastle would have good fantasy returns. Um, I thought Leeds would flog Newcastle. Newcastle been quite open, but Leeds were just as open at the back. St. Maximum uh, had a fantastic game. He's leading that team at the moment with Wilson out. Um, he's he's not in the waiver. He's not available. He but but looks like he's going to get some really good attack and returns. He looks sensational at the moment. Um, Leeds looked a bit rudderless at times, um, especially in the second half as they were trying to win the game. Um, uh, I know they've got a few injuries now. Bamford has picked up a bit of an injury, didn't play, play Carabao Cup. Um, <laughs> thank you. Uh, Rafinha uh, is in the same is in the same boat at the moment. So good. and Ailing, do you want to say good with that one, Dave? Good. Fantastic. So. They've got a few injury concerns. They already had some injuries at the back, so they're playing West Ham this coming week. Um, is Firpo injured? I don't really care. Probably. He's one of the only <laughs> one of the only Leeds defenders that isn't at the moment. Um, yeah, but he's so... also but he's also been useless. 
Well, I mean, I actually had a look at it, and Newcastle and Leeds, they're not... I mean, Leeds is traditionally known as an attacking team, so you could probably expect it from them. But between both teams, there were 38 goal attempts in that match. So both teams were yeah. pretty open at the back and, yep. like, both looking to win, which would have been entertaining. But, yeah, not great if you're holding a Leeds defender like me. Mm. But luckily for you, you've also got Antonio. So, um, you know, I, th- I think you might come out with a net positive return there, Gilby, just, just depending. But uh, look, that was that was all game week five. The next thing we're going to talk about quickly is um, what I put to the boys is I've done a bit of a stat attack uh, on our league. So um, this all stemmed from actually things we, something we've been talking about for a while now, from the very first podcast, something we've been talking about um, it, last week as well. Mick, you were talking about it because it does concern your team. So... I was really interested to look, Mick, at I was think I was listening back to last week and you were talking about Sterling and Havertz being your one and two picks. And so I thought, actually I wonder how they're going, because I sometimes I don't focus in on particular managers and, and what they're doing and how they're going. So I'm like, oh I wonder how those two players are going, because you were talking about they've got potential, but are they likely to actually hit that potential? So after five weeks, and I think this is a good time to sort of reflect on the league as a whole, after five weeks, those two players have scored 17 and 13 respectively, so 30 points in total. So your first two, and I know you've got Ronaldo now, and we could say, well, he's a, he's a first draft pick, but if we look at your first two picks in the draft, 30 points. And so Averaging like, two and a half each, that's that's pretty good going for your two really good draft picks, right? I know. And so I was, I was, I was looking and thinking, well... What could he potentially have scored with two first round or two first draft picks if he'd gone with some different players? So, for example, if you'd gone for the next two picks in the draft, which were Grealish, who Dave has, legend, and, and Bamford, who I have. Now, midfield and a forward, so not two midfielders, but I'll get to doing looking at midfielders in a second. You would have scored a total of forty-two points. So that's you know a bit of an example of of where you, you sort of could have got to, right? That's surprisingly less difference than I would have expected. Yeah. And so then I put my search a little bit further out, okay? So I said, well, how many points could he have got for everyone that was left over that still got picked up in the draft? If Two midfielders, for example. So if you'd gone Greenwood and Ben Rama, you would have scored 72 points. Yeah? So that's where we are there, 72 points. Um, those, if, those points wouldn't have gone astray if I'd had them? No, absolutely not. Was, that, if was you, that 72 more points or 72 total points? 72 total, so 42 more. Okay, so 42 more, okay. Yeah. yeah. You could have gone Saar and Torres for 56 points. I mean, a Watford player with eighth pick of the draft, I'm surprised I didn't do it really. I am too. You yeah, could have gone... You could have gone Fornells and Trossard for 48 points, so eight, for 18 Two more points. Two guys I'm pretty sure went, one went undrafted and one I picked up anyway. Correct. You could have gone, these two were drafted, Delhi, Ali, and Tielemans mm-hmm. for 36 points. Mm-hmm. Right? So six Delhi more points. Delhi, Ali got all had. of his points early in the season, though. So did Greenwood. Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. But what I'm saying is after five weeks, they would have scored more points than what you currently got. So then, then I'm looking at people that aren't have weren't drafted and are actually still available. So you could actually, this waiver, trade out your first two draft picks for these pairs who have got more points, right? So you could go Bernard Silva, Bernardo Silva and and Canyos. Okay. For forty one okay. points. Forty one points. You could go um now 
Mbwemo obviously has just been put back in, and McAllister for 34 points, so still four more points. I like yep. this one. I call these two the rear guard. You could have gone Lingard and Norgard for exactly 30 points. Right? Yeah, cool. So they're, they're level pegging. Level pegging. I love it. Level pegging. Yep. Yep. This is the rear, rear guard. So these are two defensive midfielders, MacArthur and Basuma for 32 points. Yeah. Really nice. So two defensive mids. And finally, this is what I call the triple rear guard. These are this is a keeper and a defender, McCarthy and Kilman for thirty points exactly. You could have gone those two as your first two round draft picks. Maybe right? I should have. Maybe that's a little bit depressing, isn't it, Mick? <laughs> oh, it is. It is a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. But but maybe I just had inside knowledge and I knew I needed to come last so I could get early on the waiver. Maybe, maybe sure it was, was all it. a tactical ploy. Maybe that's what I was doing. Um, <laughs> I, the one I found most interesting, I guess, out of those was obviously the yeah. realish one. Um, mm. which one thing I've done every year since we've started is really tried to avoid new transfers with early draft picks because there is too much speculation about whether they're going to start. So the reason I didn't go for Grealish is brand new signing, don't know how he's going to go with the squad, um, is who is it going to be? Um, so that's why I didn't pick up Grealish. So he did go next. Sterling, we know he gets rotated. And I think going into the draft, I'd spoken. I knew I had eight pick. Okay, well, that's what we had. Knowing and having spoken to Isaac and yourself and Dave, he wasn't going to go with six or seven. And if I didn't pick him up in eight and nine, was he going to fall down to 10 and 11? There's a solid chance he would have got passed over again. But I think you two also would have been sitting there going... It's one of those where it might be worth just doing for the sake of doing because the upside is massive. I, I'm, I'm going to stick with them for, I think, a couple more weeks. Um, I think my big issue with the team that I've selected isn't about those two players, is, well, my team selections. So I, there was obviously um, Wolves against Brentford, which we'll get into a bit later, part of my, the multi I put out there. I had those two keepers and I had a defender for both of those teams. I decided to play Wolves defender, play Wolves keeper, drop Brentford defender and leave Brentford keeper on the bench. Cost me a hell of a lot of points. The other thing I forgot to do was hit save on my team. So I left Rafinha on the bench (laughs) against uh, whoever, Newcastle, rather than playing him. And I was supposed to drop four nails. So that cost me another six points. Um, I swear in previous years, or maybe it's just the official game, when you hit switch on a player, it automatically saves. But having to hit that extra save button just gets me every time. And I've done it twice this season. It's already cost me a few points. Not enough to, I think, hurt my position. But at the end of the year, if I lose by six points, uh, it's definitely going to come back and get me. But I, interesting to hear those. Um, but at this stage, I'm, I'm going to stick with it. I think drafting's generally, I, I do okay with it. Um, the big thing I took from all of those, though, is a few of those other names that you mentioned I picked up anyway. So maybe I'm just better at a lower draft picks. Maybe I should, maybe <laughs> next year I should trade away my eighth and ninth pick and just take more down the bottom. Yeah. Well, you could be right. And and look, I, I'm what that led me to. Like, so that's that's sort of not the analysis that I sort of ended up with. But what that led me to thinking was, okay, we know that. Early round draft picks are really important and you rely on those draft picks for a fair chunk of your points. That's what you're hoping for. You're wanting them to perform. So boys, I just sent through 
um, the the stats uh, that I have. It's on sheet. If you look at sheet two, um, it's a little bit clearer. What I looked at doing was okay. Where is our league rank at the moment, and what is our top two top two draft pick rank? So if I total up the number of points that our top two draft picks have got. Essentially, who's who's picked the best first two round picks? Okay, so if we have a look really, really quickly, you can see that out in the lead, in terms of the top two draft picks who have scored the most points for you for each of us as a manager, Jeff's actually on top, right? Because he's got Salah, and Salah scored fifty points, so he's got a total of sixty-three points, um, followed by Gilby on fifty-six, and you know that's really because Fernandez did so well first week. Um, and scored a bucket load of points there. Um, I'm coming second, 53 points, then Dave on 46. And we go all the way down to Nathan, who's on 15. All right, so Mick's on 30, he's second last. Nathan's on 15, who's last. And he's already mentioned that KDB, you know, that was his first pick. He hasn't scored many points, hasn't played much, right? So then I thought, well, hang on. What? How much are we relying on our top two draft picks to score us points? So what is the percentage of, based on each manager's overall points, what percentage actually comes from their top two draft picks, right? So who's relying on their their top two draft picks the most and what can we look sort of get out of that, yeah? So Jeff is relying on his top two draft picks the most, mostly Salah. 27.5% um, of his points has come from his top two draft picks. Now... You'd say, oh, that's really good, but actually he's coming fourth in the league at the moment, right? So for me, that says that he probably might have some issues with his squad in terms of where his other points are coming from if he's relying on his top two draft picks, mostly his top draft pick most uh, the most. So 27.5 is sort of maybe a bit over and above of how much you should be relying on your top two draft picks. Does that sort of make sense, guys? Yeah, over-reliance on Seller. If Seller doesn't play or has a shocker, Jeff's whole round out the window. Absolutely. And so as you go, he's the he's really, you know, overreaching there. And then as I go down, you know, uh, Dave, you're on 20%. So 20% of your points has come from your top two draft picks. Gilby, around about the same, 19.9. Ben, 19.8. I'm 18.8. Dan is 16.6. Mick, 14.2. And Nathan is down in 7.2% reliance in his top two. Now, Nathan is an interesting one because he's coming sixth in the league and only 7.2% of his points has come from his top two draft picks. So that sort of says to me he's actually done quite well at getting points out of his squad to still be up in sixth and not be in last place because his, his top points getters aren't actually scoring or his, his, his main point scorers who he thought would be his main point scorers aren't scoring. So, and if then if I look at Mick as well, now Mick's got the luxury of now having Ronaldo in. Again, says to me that, you know, those two draft picks aren't working at the moment. They've got potential. If they do, you know, get up to that sort of uh, 18 19%, 20% mark, he's going to be able to pick up a, a load of points and, and come through the field because at the moment he's coming fifth. So I just thought that that was really interesting to look at the reliance on those top two draft picks. I think around the the eighteen to twenty percent is probably around about right because you would expect those those particular players 
to score on average more points than the rest of your squad. Then on you know if you look at the average per player, um, but yeah, I just thought it was interesting to see who might have some problems, and I think Jeff might be running into a few issues there if Salah doesn't perform because uh, it's unlikely he's going to continue getting ten points per game. So that's I that's think, sort of what I looked at. I'd be really interested now. I know you've got plenty of spare time being a teacher, Isaac. You get another sure week do. off. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'd be interested. Do the same thing instead of going for the first two round picks. Go through top two point scorers to yep. see how much people are relying on one or two people to get all of their points for their team and how many of the other teams are getting points across a spread to have a balance. Yep. I think that's something that would show me, I don't know off the top of my head, but does anyone know Antonio would have 40, 48, 50 points, something like that by now, yep. wouldn't he? Salah's got 50. I think Antonio's still top. So mm. I think Gilby's on it right now. But yep. I, from yep. off the top of my head, he'd have over 50. So if you look at, Gilby's 282 points. It'd be interesting because I reckon there's a solid chance 17% of that has come from one player. And when or if that one player gets injured slash suspended, what's going to happen there? So I think that'd be interesting when you got all that spare time, Isaac. Uh, we do that week by week. We go from there. Yeah, that's fair enough. And I, I mean, at the end of the day, like I, I was just looking at drafting in particular because, you know, so much of this game is based on that first draft because you're looking for players, your first two or three picks who you, you really want to get you the bulk of your points. So that's what I was interested in. But you're right. It, at the beginning of the season, you don't know who's going to score all those points, do you? So, you know, if you can jag a couple of good selections throughout who end up scoring you a lot more points, then and if you're relying on them and something happens, you're absolutely right, Mick. That, that could tend to... Um, I think yeah, Gilby's about to uh, steal my thunder here and prove that he's only on 39 points. Um, but <laughs> let's go three weeks ago and look at that same scenario. And uh, 39 out of what I assume was about 200 points, that 17% stands, that negative one and zero probably doesn't help him. But back then, what I said was true. Yeah. And look, at the end of the day, I think that this is only for five weeks. Like it's not a lot of data. It's not a lot of time to look at these particular points. But, you know... I think it does go to show that if you can't round out your squad with other players who are going to score good points and you're relying too heavily on a couple of players, whether it's your first draft picks or, or not, then you know you do tend to be in a bit of trouble. And this game is different to how we've played it before. You know, We've always had really big squads of 22 players where you can hoard players and bring them in as needed. We can't do that now. So if you start to... Uh, have players who aren't performing and aren't getting points you need, you really have to consider dropping them quickly and going for people who are going to score your points so that you can continue. And then we'll talk about that as we look at the league ladder in a second. Yeah, so really quick, um, at the moment, when I had a look at those top, that got me actually thinking, have a look at who the actual top scorers are. Uh, Salah, you are right, is on 50. He's 11 points ahead in the lead with the most points so far. It's the quickest he's ever got to 50 points out of all his last few seasons. Um, so if he if he is fit for the whole season and does keep playing, then that's going to be really good for Jeff. Uh, in the seasons, Jeff has won. Um, he has always had that one of the top scoring midfielders, he's always famous in our league for prioritizing his goal scoring mids. So that's maybe intimidating, um, but depth is his issue when you look at his team. But going across the other thing, the other interesting thing I noticed, second is Ben Rama, third is Antonio, uh, tied in second with 39. But then after that, you go to four defenders in a row, Alonso, TAA, Diaz, and Rudiger. 
who are all the next top scoring players. So, I mean, if you follow, I know Dave talked a lot about his theory, uh, they kind of got from Isaac as well, that didn't matter where you got your points as long as you got your points. And a lot of the theories in fantasy have been going for forwards and midfielders first. And if you had maybe gone with those elite defenders early, then that may well have kind of worked out for you because a lot of the big scoring points, like just behind that, you've also got Van Dyke, who's on 33, equal with Fernandez. So the equal value there with Bruno Fernandez, who was my first pick that you could have gotten far later. Cancelo was in the top few as well. So it's been a really good start for a lot of those elite defenders so far. Yeah, I think it'll be a bit of a watch and see on the likes of Rudiger and Alonso. Obviously, uh, attacking-minded defenders um, popping up with, you know, Rudiger popping up with headed goals and Alonso's always whipping in crosses and set pieces, um, similarly for TAA. Um, But yeah, we just need to keep an eye and make sure that those players are consistently providing those attacking returns if, you know, that's going to be the theory that you pick them up early. Um, The other thing I just wanted to make note of is, uh, personally, I don't know if there's any update on um, African Cup of Nations. So when we're talking about our mate Salah and his availability for the rest of the season, mm-hmm. uh, who knows, Jeff might play the ultimate um, game of poker and put Salah up as part of the trades for our redraft if he thinks that he's going to be out for the Cup of Nations. <laughs> um, the way we do it, you need to drop one of your top players at least um, for the redraft. I can't see it happening, but it's, yeah, food for thought. No, fair enough. Look, I just, yeah, wanted to come out with those stats because I just thought it was interesting looking at the reliance um, and it sort of pointed me to look at Jeff's team, which we might look at as we go through the league as well um, and and maybe look at Nathan's team and maybe look at a bit at your team, Mick, as well. Um, we'll look at the league ladder, but just before I finish off this little bit, I will say that I'm looking forward to the waiver and seeing... Uh, Sterling and Havertz being dropped for MacArthur and Basuma. That's that's going to make my day. So I'm, I'm really I mean, looking forward to that. Yeah. Lock it in. It's got to happen. It's got to be part of mixed multi, right? Because he knows it's going to happen. So, yeah. you know, sure thing. Put the house on it. <laughs> Very good. Well, let's look at the our league ladder. Um, we've had a few interesting things happen. Uh, first being that we have joint first place of Gilby... Uh, and Isaac, myself, on 282 points. So uh, Gilby's lead has been now cut. He is joined in first place. I've, I've, I've got him. But we do have a bit of a gap to Dave uh, on in third place on 230 points. Been able to move up into third, Dave. Well done. We've got Jeff in fourth and 229 points, off really off the back of Salah and Van Dyke uh, after their performance. Mix in fifth, you've jumped down, Mick, uh, to 211 points in fifth place. Um, Nathan's dropped down a place as well. Nathan, you're now on 207 points, so three points, uh, sorry, four points behind Mick. Um, Dan has come off the bottom of the table with his really good waiver picks uh, on into seventh in 199 points. And then down the bottom is Ben. He's dropped down after a, a round of only 23 points. And he is on 192 points. So there's there's still, you know, week to week opportunities for people to jump up and jump down. Uh, it's it's quite tight, sort of towards the the bottom there and towards the top now. Joint first, Gilby. What's your 
what's your take on that? Were you expecting to be caught this week? Were you? Uh, there were lots of things that happened in this game week that uh, made it difficult to score points. What's your takeaway? Um, that I am incredibly thankful for Ismail Asar. He <laughs> more or less just saved the entire round for me because I was really counting on Jota and Fernandez holding you off for another round or two because I was forced into playing a 5-4-1 this week because I literally had no one else left with Antonio with a red card, DCL out, and I'm still carrying Rashford. So I had to play everybody. So I was... Really happy to score 40 points in the end. Um, like I said a few weeks ago, I was expecting to be chasing come Christmas because I expected to have to carry Rashford and I was um, counting on the fact that maybe I'd be close enough to make a move at Christmas. So I'm really, really happy with how it's gone so far. But yeah, Sar saved the round for me and I was pulling my hair out with Jota like I'm sure a number of other people mm. were that he shanked it over the bar from yeah. two metres out. Um, so yeah, other than that, the only key highlight for me was Tielemans coming good. I was extremely close to pulling the trigger on him, but I thought... No, I'm going to hold because uh, I've uh, I've really liked having him in the past. I really like the fact that you can count him to play 90 minutes every week and he is going to pop up the occasional goal and assist and I really needed some reliability there in my midfield. So, yeah, I mean, even though I've dropped back a little bit to share the lead, I'm really, really happy with how my round gone considering the team I was left with. No, fair enough. And look, if you're really, really happy with Saar and thankful that Saar did what he did, you should all be also be thankful that I put Ben Rama on my bench and he didn't end up playing and I've lost lost out on 10 points. So, you know, if, if those two things had reversed, uh, there'd been quite a shift there. So, um, I mean, you could have had the lead because it's actually, what, an 11 or, yeah, an 11 point turnaround if it was Dina that you leave, left on your bench yep. for him. Correct. And so what actually happened was Torres didn't play. So he came out of my team. I had, I, I was tossing up, do I have Digne as my first or my second? What do I do? And unfortunately, I went with a uh, mixed prediction. Um, thank you, Mick, that uh, Everton <laughs> would would flog Villa, which didn't happen. And Digne got the Rufiera. own goal as well. I know. I know. I'm learning. I'm learning, though. Um <laughs> So Digne came on for a negative one, <laughs> which which was just fantastic. Um, but for me, Ben Rama scoring that ten points, you know that that's a good thing. I'm I'm happy that he did. I'm just unfortunate that he didn't. Uh, he didn't. I didn't actually start him. And the fact that Walker didn't get that red card in the end obviously helped. Rudiger fourteen points, fantastic. Diaz eight points, fantastic. Uh, Mane eight points was really good. Ings got an assist. Bamford got an assist. Um, I bought in Huang. Uh, into my team. Um, I brought him into my team because I, I, I watched him over the, the course of his first game. And he looked really, really good. He looked really direct, looked like a goal threat. Um, and he looked the same again when he came on. The issue being that with cha- uh, Wolves were chasing the game. They brought every forward that they had on the bench into their 11 and just looked rudderless. They didn't look like they didn't know what to do with that many attackers on the field. So that was a bit unfortunate. Um the other thing that I didn't like was that uh, Kepper started in goal for, for Chelsea with that clean sheet um, and Mendy got zero points and Schmeichel came into my team. So that was a bit unfortunate. Um, but overall, really happy with the week. 52 points. Um, I had a look and that's actually the equal lowest number of points that I've got out of a round. So I, like I've got, I've been really oh. consistent with my with number of points per round. Um, so hopefully that can continue. But... 
yeah, just have to look and see if there's any options moving forward for maybe Huang. Um, getting a bit frustrated with Traore. He's just he hit the underside of the crossbar, which was like a cracker shot, but just I don't know how it didn't go in. So you know, there's a few things there to look at. Digne's not doing all that well at Everton at the moment, although he did score a goal in the Carabao Cup. Um, so yeah, a few things to think about. But really happy that I've been able to catch Gilby and still got a gap between me and third. It means I can hopefully push on. So pretty happy with that. Now, Dave, in third place, you've jumped up. You're one point ahead of Jeff. Um, what what helped you out this week? Could w- could it have been a disaster? Uh, it can always be a disaster, Isaac. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm I'm happy with how things went. Um, obviously, gained ten points um, on. The leader at the time was Gilby. Um, I got 50 points, you got 52, so still a bit of a gap there. But, yeah, relatively happy with my um, game week. Um, Shut out for Martinez at the back. Christensen, my other defensive return. Um, Not much happening in midfield other than Odegaard for Arsenal. And Tony... Um, popped up with good points, so yeah. Finally um, came good. Finally came good, but for me, the big, the big issues were I knew Wilson was going to be out, so that was a given. But I could never have expected to have um, both Robertson and TAA uh, not play, not get minutes. So, given the fact I still got fifty points, not much to complain about. No, very good. Very good. I see we've got Edward in there as well. He only got you the one point. Um, yeah, and it could have been Werner, but like I said earlier, yeah. if I didn't pick up Edward now, um, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to pick him up. Um, and I think it's the long-term correct move. Yeah, I noticed that um, after the game, they interviewed Klopp to ask about uh, Robertson and TAA. Uh, TAA was withdrawn with a illness, which isn't COVID-related, thankfully for Dave, but just feeling a bit ill. Apparently woke up on the day, felt ill. Uh, Robertson was just a straight rotation, which and he was asked about that, and he said, well, the reason we can actually rotate this season is because we've actually got a defensive um, line, whereas before they had to basically just pick whoever defenders were still alive at Liverpool last season. Um, So that may be something to have a look at with arguably Robertson's value dropping because Simicus came in and did have a good match. Um, TAA, you'd probably say, would be much more of a nailed-on starter. But yeah, Robertson is a risky one, and that may be something for may affect Dave with his trade value there because I know he's kind of holding on to him as maybe a trading chip there. Um, But yeah, I mean, Robertson's there. I mean, you know he's probably going to start more often than not. So be interesting whether or not Dave's still going to hold on to a double Liverpool defence or whether or not he's looking for someone to take up that trade. Mick, you are in... Oh, fifth place? Fifth. Lovely. Well, top... Tied sixth? Or no, four points ahead. Sorry, I tied with Nathan for that round. Yeah, you tied with Nathan for the round. 28 points. Um, look, obviously not too much to write home about. Um, good news being that your forward line is is doing maybe a little bit better than Gilby's forward line at the moment, so probably a good thing you didn't do that trade. Um, the interesting one I want to talk about really quickly, and you can go through your team as well, but the Keane transfer, what's your take on that considering what you've seen this round week? Are you still going to keep 
keen after what you've seen? I actually haven't done too much research as of yet for this game week in terms of who to drop. Um, I think in terms of last game week, I mean, one really great thing I'm looking at this team is Sterling and Havertz were my third and fourth highest point scorers. So they're justifying yes. things right there. Yes, and they, they are. both performed above average, did they not? You you pointed this out before. They, they're they averaging two and a half. They scored three. They're only going to get better. So, things are on the uh, up. So exactly right. Um, no, but like I said, Keane not... Uh, Everton not playing like I expected. Yeah. Um, picking the Wolves goalkeeper over Brentford. Horrible decision in the end. Picking Markel, dropping Pinnock. Horrible decision in the end. Um, Tierney getting a clean sheet, I believe, which was good, or an assist at least. Um, so clean sheet, yeah. Um, I already mentioned I left Rafinha on the bench for eight points, left Finals in, so that cost me six. W- Watkins not getting any attacking bo- uh, sorry, returns in a 3-0 win. Probably won't see that too many times this year in a game where he plays significant minutes. Um, played all 90 and didn't get anything. Chris Wood, I mean, Burnley against Arsenal, you probably don't expect too much. Um, two points, still happy with that. Ronaldo got a goal, which is great. Yeah, I think for me, a lot of it was just pure decision-making. It's a, It was a weird game week you wouldn't expect. I think 50 points, anyone of that game week with those scorers would probably take that. Um, I think you'd be pretty yeah. darn happy if you can get 50 points. So getting 28, yep, sucks. But when you consider I've got 14 sitting on the bench that I could have picked up pretty comfortably um, and – maybe change a decision, one or two decisions, or t- change a decision in the transfers, keep uh, Pinnock and drop Keane, and I'm suddenly up near the 40-point 40, 40 mark. So a um, few little decisions there wrong, which unfortunate, but I guess those happen. Hopefully uh, it's setting up for the long term, but I guess I can't keep saying that every week. Eventually there's not going to be a long term. So. <laughs> Look, Could have been enough. 40 points. Ultimately wasn't. It wasn't. It was 28. <laughs> so there we go. It wasn't. Uh, fifth place. So I guess that leads us to quickly looking at Dan and maybe Ben, maybe looking at Jeff as well really quickly. But Dan, he made those really good, two good trades, got 40 points. Um, he was able to pick up Saka, who got a fantasy assist, um, and Trossard, who got an assist as well, seems to be on a lot of um, dead ball and, and um, set-piece play as well, which is good. Alonso got Dan 10 points. Uh, Mopay, who he tried to actually uh, take out of his team, got seven points, so it's probably good that he didn't. Um, and so, look, some really good trades there for Dan. He's got himself off the bottom. He's listened to the the advice, which is good, and, and come up with some really good um, options there. So hopefully moving forward, he can continue to do that. Um, obviously, Jeff, who's in fourth place, 55 points was the leader for this particular round week. 55 points was the top. Um, and he's just had good returns from Salah, Van Dyke, Allison. So his his triple up on um, Liverpool worked out really well for him. Vardy got a good goal from that... Um, lovely play that I mentioned before. Um, he could have even been better if he put De Gea on, who had 10 points, another three there. So he's missed out on three points. But, you know, he still has a bench of Lacazette, uh, Chalabai and Pulisic who are getting him zero at the moment. So that's probably an area. And that's, I guess, what my analysis sort of led to. Like, he's relying on Salah quite a bit. Um, he needs to be able to pull in some other points there. And uh, hopefully he can he can do that with some waivers during the week. So it'd be interesting to, to see how he, how he goes. Any, anything to add there with Jeff boys, anything that stands out to you? No, he's oh. pretty, oh, I was just going to say he's been pretty high variance. So obviously he and I are pretty close in the points, been keeping a little bit of an eye on what he's been doing. And yeah, this week, obviously Salah plays, gets points. He jumps up 
but the previous week he was down low. It's still too high variance from Jeff, just as a general comment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if Liverpool wins the league and Salah wins a golden boot, then that's going to go a long, long way to Jeff being in and around uh, as he has been in the past. So, I mean, he's shown in the past like he hasn't been good for the last couple of years um, with his results, but... If Salah um, goes the way he's been going so far, like we said, it's the quickest time to 50 points that he's ever had. So if he keeps going, then he's going to be hard to stop. Look, we know Salah can score 300 points in a season. Um, you know, his average his average at the moment says 380 points, which, you know, we're going to assume he's not going to get to. He's going to have to cool off at some point. He's just Jeff's just going to have to make sure, yeah, he... he he balances his squad a little bit, make sure he's going for players who are going to get him points, um, who are in good form. I think if he can, um, no doubt that he'll do that and he'll he'll be able to get some good points moving forward. Um, and that leaves the us... The only thing I found, oh, yeah. sorry, with Dan, uh, his, t- his two top scorers this week, uh, like we've talked in the past, Harry hasn't ha- had the luck of the draw, really, with his players and with his transfers, bought in some good transfers, but his two top scorers this week were actually auto-subs. So maybe the luck's turn for Dan a little bit, but um, yeah, we'll have to see if that keeps going with his auto subs. Um, I know auto subs haven't worked out well for some of the other players and haven't worked out well for Dan in the past. Um, but yeah, I mean, worked out well for him this week. Absolutely, absolutely. And that leaves us with Ben. So Ben was the lowest scorer this week, hence why he's dropped to the bottom. 23 points, which you know no fantasy manager ever wants to see. Um, scored with Puki with six points, but that's really all there is to write home about. Unfortunately, he left sent Maximum on his bench for eight points. So that was probably the um, the disappointing thing for Ben this week. Um, he, I'd no doubt he would love to have him on. And the way he's playing at the moment, you know, I'm sure Ben will be playing him moving forward. So that's sort of, yeah, hasn't helped Ben's cause at all. Having spoken with him, uh, he and on, when that game was on, he did exactly the same thing I did. Oh. Had changed his team and again forgot to hit save. Unfortunately for him, it was his second sub because I believe his first sub actually came on, and uh, but the rest of his team actually played. So it might have been one of those where I think he was kind of hoping Foden didn't play at all this game week, um, but he made his return and actually stopped St. Maximum coming into the team. So. But yeah, I think uh, we've both learned from those mistakes and you can expect us to continue making other mistakes instead. Fantastic. You know, with, with the transfers, he didn't have a good run either. We already identified Buemo for Gallagher, um, with Buemo contributing his first attacking points of the season. His other one, he dropped Jansen and brought in Coleman and Coleman is now injured for a month. So hasn't had a good week there with his transfers. He might be able to do what I did and bring that same player back into his team like I did with Greenwood. That that uh, might be the way to go there. So, look, that's a bit of a roundup of how the league's going. So, some, some changes there. It'll be interesting to see what happens in game week six, uh, whether we'll have a, a Gilby can sort of hang on to his lead or uh, if, if there's a new leader, we'll have to wait and see. But, um, yeah, some interesting things happening in the league. So, it's probably around about time that we have a look at our game week six predictions. So having a look at game week six, we've got uh, the two games to start us off are Chelsea v Man City, followed by uh, Man United versus Aston Villa, two what potentially could be cracking games. Uh, from there, we've got Everton versus Norwich, Leeds versus West Ham, Leicester versus Burnley, Watford versus Newcastle, Brentford versus Liverpool, Southampton versus Wolves, 
Um, and then the last two being Arsenal versus Spurs, so a London derby there, and another derby in Crystal Palace versus Brighton. So some good matchups this week. Um, you know, as we always do, we'll have Mick come up with his his multi. Um, now it'll be interesting to see Mick's magnificent mega miracle magic multi. So we're looking forward to that, Mick. I, I'm sure you're on it, but. Hey, let's start with Dave this week. Dave, what do you think is going to be a good fantasy points game in this game week six? What do you got for us? Um, sorry, I was in my head thinking about predictions, but that's fine. We'll oh, you can do a prediction as well. Point. It could be part yep. of it. So, you. so in terms of good fantasy points, um, I'm looking at Leeds West Ham. We've obviously spoken about Leeds leaky defence, but uh, they're very attacking. West Ham um, have been good for the last, or for the start of this season and also last season, so I think that's going to be an interesting one in terms of fantasy points. Um, But the prediction I was going to throw out there, um, did you want me to do that now or wait till Mick's done his? Throw it out. Throw it out. Go for it. I've got mine set already. If it happens to double up, we're good. I don't think it will. I reckon Brentford will get a result against Liverpool. Ooh. I'm not saying they'll win. That's interesting. But I reckon they'll get a result. Wow. Yep. We'll see how that goes. Some more drop points for a for a top four team. That'll be that'll be interesting to see how that goes. Cool. Is uh is is Tony the one scoring? Uh I didn't necessarily say there would be any scoring. Oh wow. I, I hope he is. <laughs> uh and I hope Robbo and TAA play, and I hope they're involved in goals as well. Um, I don't know if there's going to be goals, but I just have a little feeling that Brentford may just nip a point. Mm, bold, bold prediction. I love it. Okay, Gilby, what have you got for us? I am going to go with another game which is going to answer some big questions for a lot of us uh, around the league and in terms of fantasy as well. I'm going the London Derby Arsenal Spurs. Um, uh, Both teams have had, uh, you kind of say, equally disastrous starts to the season, really. Um, Spurs have not looked like... uh, anywhere near what they... They grinded out three 1-0 wins to start and then have not been good at all. Arsenal, I mean, no one really would have picked this match to be 7th versus 13th. But, yeah, this is this is going to be a big one for both managers because they both have had a lot of questions over them. Arteta starting to turn things around with two wins in a row. Spurs going the other way with two losses in a row. It's going to be a really big derby either way. So... Both, like, Aubameyang hasn't been good. Kane has not been good for various reasons. So this is going to be one of those ones where both supporters will be kind of half-watching through, like, clenched teeth and covering their eyes, trying to work out who's going to screw it up first, whether it'll be Arsenal or Spurs defenders. But, yeah, that's going to be a really interesting match to watch, I think. No, fair enough. Do you, are you going to put out a prediction or are you going to say Aubameyang for five goals again? I am going to say it's going to be one of two things. It's either going to be nil all with neither side doing anything like scoring and spraying shots everywhere, 
or it'll be three all with mayhem everywhere. It's going to be one of those two. It's going to be like three all or five four or something ridiculous, or it'll be a nil all draw with neither side looking good at all. Fair enough. It'll be yeah, be an interesting game. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to jump on with Leeds v West Ham. I went a Leeds game last week. They've down defenders. West Ham get Antonio back. I think that there's a chance that West Ham towel leads up, but there's still opportunity for Leeds, just given how they attack, to get some points as well. So I'm I'm going to say Leeds West Ham could be a really good game um, with a, a fair few points there, and a lot of us do have some West Ham and Leeds assets, so that will be interesting to see. So that's that's mine. I'm, I'm thinking West Ham should come away with the cookies there. Um, so Mick. It is officially over to you for Mix Magnificent Mega Miracle Magic Multi. Uh, what have you come away with? Have we stolen? Do, what do you want first? Your... Do, you, do you want do you want my uh, match of the week, my fantasy prediction of the week, or do you want the uh, multi first? Look, hit us with your match of the week, and then round it out with the multi because I know that's what everyone's listening for. So we got to tease that right to the end. I reckon potentially match of the match of the round. It's hard to go past City Chelsea. Um, should be a cracker, top of the table. I just looked at the odds a minute ago and I'm having a look at the multi and uh, it's actually even money, City and Chelsea. I think it's $2, $2.70 each way, draw three thirty. So interesting. I probably would have thought City would be a bit shorter, um, but I guess Chelsea have been pretty good. So probably pretty fair to be honest. Um, Chelsea at home, maybe that's what sways it that way. But let's go away from the obvious because... It's Australia time. It's, firstly, it's great to have two games at 9.30 on a Saturday night. Absolutely. Um, fantastic in Australia. So I'm looking forward to that, actually having two games to watch, not just one. Um, but we're going to go the other end of the round, and we're going to have a look at Palace Brighton. Yes. I reckon if you look at their teams, they're both very, very evenly matched in terms of the goals they should have scored and the goals they should have conceded. They're very evenly matched in terms of uh, th- respectively as well. Obviously, they've played different opposition. Um, the fixtures may have been a bit different, but I think that could be a very, uh, I guess, interesting match for fantasy in terms of guys like Morpé, Trossard, Zaha, Gallagher, Edward, all of those guys and seeing who actually can come out on top. Um, I know defenders in those teams aren't exactly a high priority for anyone. I don't know if anyone has it. Um, I know probably Sanchez and Gaeta, the two keepers are probably taken. Um, maybe Shane Duffy at a push. Um, I know in the regular game, he's a pretty pretty hot prospect at the moment, being our cheap he is. Um, but I think that could be a pretty interesting game for this round, for fantasy-wise anyway. Yeah, well, the only other thing I was going to add was that for a lot of us in Australia, um, a really cool moment this weekend as well uh, that will affect Dave's boys. Uh, Jared Gillette is going to become the first official from overseas to referee an EPL match. Uh, and he is taking control of Watford versus Newcastle. So um, I'm sure Dave will probably be watching, uh, ready to either cheer or throw things, depending on which decision he gives for his Watford <laughs> boys. But a really cool moment for Jared Gillette, and um, really well done for him. Yeah, so taking off my Watford fan hat and putting on my Bogan Aussie wide brim hat with corks hanging off the end of it or whatever, um, I'm still in some... Facebook groups for the championship, which is obviously where Watford were last year. And 
Can um, you send me those links, Dave? I need to join those. <laughs> yeah, I think they're ones that you'd sent me from two years ago. Anyway, Mick, so you're right. You should already be in them. Um, but they've obviously had uh, Jared Gillette um, officiating some of the championship matches. And it's been really good to see the British fans um, talking him up as a referee. You know, referees don't get uh, good feedback a lot of the time. Um, they're only ever spoken about when they do something wrong. Um, but they've been really positive with his time in England so far. Um, he's deserved his chance. And, yeah, obviously, I hope he has a great game with all of those 50-50 calls going Watford's way. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I don't think it's wrong in saying that Jared, before moving over to, to England, was definitely the, the, the best referee in the A-League by far. Um, had really good raps on him here. Um, so it's, yeah, fantastic to see him get the opportunity over there. That's uh, a really going to be a really big moment for him, really big moment for... Uh, Everyone who supported him as it, when he was over here as well, so it's it's going to be great. Yeah, he, he lets the game flow. He doesn't over officiate it and make it about himself. And um, no doubt, you know, look on YouTube. There's a clip of his last game in the A League where he was mic'd up. Um, it was done, I guess, to kind of highlight the way VAR was being used at the time. Um, which you know, we all have our issues with VAR, regardless of where it's being used and how. Um, but one thing that you'll pick up if you listen in that clip is just the respect that the players had for him. And you don't earn the respect of senior players like that without having had a bit of a history of being a really good referee. Absolutely. And I'm looking forward to, for you to say the exact opposite of how you just gave uh, Jared a little yeah. rap once he uh, you know, stuffs your team over. Yeah, penalty decision, shit decision, Newcastle <laughs> should never have got it. Yeah, rubbish ref, get out of here. Very good. Okay, let's finish up, Mick. I know you've 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 been waiting all episode for this. We've been waiting all episode for this. What have you got? Uh, let's right. go with Mick's magnificent mega miracle magic multi. So I was talking to you boys beforehand before we started today, and I said there was there was something I wanted that I just haven't been able to find. And I honestly I tried so many different sites to get a price, I couldn't find it. Now I laughed when Dave said Brentford getting a point because that's where it was heading. Every multi I think I've put out this week has been ruined by a red card. This year, sorry, has been ruined by a red card. Ah. So my pick was if I want some decent odds, maybe I need to go Liverpool to get a red card, Brentford, double chance, draw slash win. Unfortunately, just the market of two, there to be a red card, which I swear I've seen before, not to be found. You can bet individually on a player. That's probably getting a little bit too specific. I'd love to see a Van Dyke red card for a 1-0 win because that would be fantastic. But anyway, I digress. I've got two here. One of them is purely in spite. So I have <laughs> Tottenham to win because it's going to hurt Nathan and Dave has lots of Tottenham players and everything I say goes wrong, so they won't score points. I have West Ham to win with Antonio to score. Gilby, you're screwed. I have Liverpool to win, Mane to score. Isaac, you're done. I'm going to win this week. All of those three together, $34.10. So that's number one. Okay. But like I said, I'm doing that purely out of spite, not actually to win any money. The one I'm going to do, now this is where it backfires because using that same logic, I've screwed myself over. We're going to look at 
Man United, Villa. I'm going to stick on the screw Villa train. Being a West Brom fan, we don't like Villa. I still don't think they're any good. Yes, they won 3-0. It was a flash in the pan. It's not going to happen again. Man U, different to Everton. Man U to win. Jaden Sancho to score his first Man United goal. Ronaldo to score a hat-trick. So big Man United win. $37 to one. So I'm, I'm trying to keep it around the 38 to one mark because I think I only need to get one of those right this year to get my money back. 37 to one, Man United win, Sancho anytime, Ronaldo hat trick. So pretty... I think based on this, nobody's scoring any points this weekend. Yeah, I was going to say, that's pretty bold of you given the fact that Ronaldo is going to get rotated. <laughs> yeah, probably. That's fine. <laughs> oh, that's great. Look, and, and you know, I just love that you're already anticipating you're winning the round. Um, you're going to stick it to us, but you know, even with your round win, I'm looking forward to just being able to wave at you from the from the very top, going a few runs down, and uh, you know, good try, but it might take a few more a, weeks, a, Mick. Aguero scored five once for a thirty something point game from memory, maybe a twenty five point game. It was captain to about fifty for a few people, I think. It's been done. It's been done. So let's face it. If Luke Shaw gets all the assists and keeps a clean sheet. Uh, I mean, what's that? That's that's four points plus three for the goal plus four for the uh, sorry three for the assist four for the goal. There's seven by three is twenty one plus the clean sheet. There's another. Oh, I'm looking at forty points for two players. Look out a hundred club. Funny you should say Shaw, Mick, because I was actually about to offer you a transfer. Um, how do you feel about Azpilicueta for Shaw? Too much rotation. Reese James, there is no alternative for Luke Shaw. At I know Alex Tellez is there, but let's face it, he's not going to get a look in. Luke Shaw has played every minute of this campaign so far. Um, as P, if he was purely at right back, maybe. But yes, he may play more minutes than most others, um, but he'll get rotated through that right centre-back role in a five-back formation. Um, so at this stage, despite starting this pod with how good Chelsea backs are, that's going to be a no. I'm looking forward to seeing Shaw get injured as he plays an own goal into his net in the 59th minute. I think it's going to be fantastic. I'm pretty sure he did score an own goal this week, did he not? But he didn't get credited for it. I swear he did. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just looking something, getting that wrong. But I, I, for some reason, I thought there was a goal or maybe he assisted an own goal or did something there, but... We can adjust your points if you really want. <laughs> I don't think I need the handicap. I do that to myself. <laughs> well, look, you makes handicap. Yeah, look, you've stuffed he, us he, all. He conceded the penalty. Sorry, he's the one oh, that got the handball. That's what there he you did. Go. There you go. Look, you, you've stuffed us all with your prediction anyway. No one's getting any points this week, so that's probably a good way to wrap up uh, our podcast for this week. So, gentlemen, thanks very much for uh, getting involved. Um, hopefully, we get more of the managers coming in throughout the season but uh boys have a great week have a fantastic fantasy week and i'll catch each and every one of you next week cheers boys see you later take care good luck